On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. Episode 893 of the Tall Can Audio Podcast for your Monday morning. Matt Robinson over here, Rob Christie over there. What's happening today, man? I'm feeling it today, Matt. I'm feeling it. I'm glad. I think it all comes down to, as I just was telling you off air, the sweet buttermilk pancake. Do not, do not try and pass off any of the blueberry shit. No chocolate chips, no banana, no pumpkin. Straight up buttermilk, let me load it down with butter and syrup and take it in like that. If I want some of that other shit, I'll take in a pumpkin pie. I'll have a chocolate chip cookie. Give me the buttermilk pancake, man. And I got that today, and it set my day off in a positive direction. All right, because I'm coming in here with uh, with all sorts of negativity. I got shit to say to people, man. I got... Uh... We're, stuff we're going to cover here. Is Pancake Sunday, is that a thing? Is this a tradition every week, or is it just that it's fallen, it's fallen that way this week? Yeah, no, it is a... Saturday is, is a traditional workday, air quotes, in, in the house, right? So, no, nah, that's a get up, and your breakfast looks pretty much like it looks Monday through Friday. Okay. Um, and so Sunday is... Uh, more of a go-to here is the, the scrambled egg salsa and cheese egg wrap. That is more of a Sunday go. So, mm. you know, maybe once a month, Rob gets pancake Sunday. Because <laughs> um, Rob doesn't make them really well. So it's one of those things. Oh, pancakes, so this is a treat. Rob isn't the one who prepares. I know you do a lot of the cooking, but you're yes, not the pancake guy. This is it. Because a pancake is that thing that blurs. It's very close to it's baking. Okay. Right? <laughs> Rob does not make. Cake right in the name. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is it is not how it goes for me. So if there's any kind of thing that's that's even towing the line on baking, it's not Rob. It's not Rob. So to me, there's too much science in baking. Rob is improvised guy, cook guy. So 
Uh, no. So Rob loves it. Yeah. And you got to, and don't give me any of this bullshit Aunt Jemima <laughs> syrup either. I don't want that. <laughs> I am all about good syrup. Don't chintz on the butter. And I, and I don't want stacks. I don't know how other people feel. Spread them out. So I get good butter and good maple syrup coverage. That's what I'm all about. There was a year there. I think it was only a year. It might have been two. No longer, though, um, where my old man tapped some trees up at the old cottage. Yes, and, guy. And uh, it was a ton of work. Like, oh, for, It's absolutely a ton of work. <laughs> and I think he found himself like, I think there were times like they couldn't go away or couldn't do, like I had to be there for the trees, right? Like I got to be there to, to yeah. see what you got. And then you're, you know, you're boiling it down and whatever. And it was great stuff when it was done, but I don't think he did it for too many years. I think it became, you know, something in early in his retirement, like I'll try this for, yeah. you know, see what it's all about. And you know, not too long uh, into a fog. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's one of those things where you end up with all this, all this sap, all this, and then you what it boils down to, you're like, mm. yeah, several weeks of tapping these goddamn trees yeah, for like yeah. one jar or whatever. Yeah, and you're right, checking them. Yeah, and you're doing all these things, and you're like, oh, I don't know, man. It doesn't really seem like it's worth it. <laughs> uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. You should follow us there. That will be worth it, and you should uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now. Uh, also, up on the podcast feed and available at TallCanAudio.com couple season previews, not too late to check those out. Jeff Vayette was here from faceoffcircle.ca to tee up the Leafs last week. That's episode 890. Graham Nichols, the sixth sends, was on on episode 892 to run you through the uh, Ottawa Senators. Uh, We're still very early days here in the NHL season. Highly recommend you go check those out if you're into such things. Uh, like I said, they are up wherever you're listening right now, or you can just visit tallcanaudio.com. What did we just hear you crack there, man? Well, first of all, Graham Nichols is is the voice of reason honestly he he comes in and it's it's very measured he's uh he won't even let me get my shots in on the on the cap friendly being up in the background he's like yeah, yeah it's it's funny i guess you're like yeah oh, come on man give me a little yeah, yeah, yeah. no no i think he operates in a fairly tight band yep. but, he br- but he brings his shit for sure the guy is 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 in the know and so to me i would listen to that show if you have any sense interest and I'd give him a follow because to me, he is one of those guys with, as rare as they are, reasoned yes. takes. And we're so, going to cover that too. I got things to say about uh, hockey Twitter right now. That's at Sixth Sends, 6 T H S E N S, and uh, at Jeff Vayette if you want to catch the, uh, the Leaf side of things. So, what I cracked here today is, is a little something different. It's, it's not in the craft range. Um, but for me, a go-to if I if I what I keep in the fridge to offer people when they come in the house is I'll give you a lager, I'll give you a stout. So that's a Guinness, and that's an innocent gun lager. That's hmm. those are the those are the two that I keep in the house. Um, and if you want that, that's what you got. I keep my <laughs> my show stuff separate, and these are what I have to offer you. If not, piss off, bring your own. <laughs> Uh, These are the house specials. Okay, but you know what? I go to somebody else's house, and we've talked about this before. I bring beer that I want to drink, Yep. and I leave it there. If I don't drink it all, whatever, but if you have something interesting you're going to offer, I am going to take the hospitality, and I will drink it and just leave whatever beer I brought. So to me, it's it's important that I don't just show up and go, hmm. I don't like your, your Coors banquet or, or whatever it is. Right. You know, that is important beers. to you. Is it that's that you don't say those things that uh, well, no, yeah, I, I, but you don't count, man. No, I've known okay. you, I've known you forever, man. So, 
Uh, Give me some more of that horse piss or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have eight I'm, or ten of them. <laughs> I've done what I brought, and uh, what do you got? No, that's absolutely a thing, man. I get it. Uh, There's uh, Familiarity allows things to to change a little bit. I get that. Yes. So what's happened here, though, is, is in 2021, Innocent Gun has come out with a um, limited small cask um, batch. And so there's two different beers. This one is brewed and, and, and cask for Canada. Hmm. It is their small cask rye lager. So it's, it doesn't tell me which company, <laughs> right? Uh, but in terms of it is used in Oak rye barrels. So that's what I'm drinking today. And on first pull, yeah, you're certainly getting a little of that oakiness. Um, and way more ride than I was fully anticipating. Not, yeah, because you don't not, always love that. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, we talked so, a few rye beers before, and, and you, right. you don't seem to love it when it's, it's coming in hot like that. Well, and there's a difference between using the rye grain sure. in your beer versus having rye in your beer. Yeah. Right. And so um, now it's, this is cold right out of the fridge. So I'll be interested as as the first half of the show progresses uh, to see what further notes come into it, right? Because as it gets closer to room temperature, yeah. if it lasts that way, quite often the the preamble that we get into here, I've I've already taken down the first beer. <laughs> so the the first beer quite often doesn't have the legs the second one has, right? But I'm a thirsty man, just so you know. A lot of talking will do that for you. But uh, I like it. I like it. It's got a little oak. It's got a little vanilla. I, I'm, I'm just a hint of vanilla in the back, but it's nice. And it comes in at about 6.6. So, uh, you know what? You, you, you don't want to mess around. You're good to go. But um, <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you're sitting down for a six or eight beer session, you got to be careful with the 6.6s. Yes. Yeah. We've, uh, we've run into that a time or two. Um, I'm sitting here. I've, I was going to say I've also ventured outside of Canada, but you just said yours was technically brewed for Canada or back in Canada. So brewed for brewed for Canada and matured in Canada. Okay. All right. Unlike Innocent us. Gun. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, um, I am sitting here. This is from the New Belgian Brewing Company, which is in Fort Collins, Colorado, and uh, the, yeah, sure. This is the Voodoo Ranger IPA, and uh, the. <laughs> I can tell you the lyrics don't fit, but I've been walking around ever since I decided this is the the beer I was going with today, humming the Voodoo Child, right? Jimi Hendrix, great tune. I, you can't make it fit though; it just doesn't quite work. But that's the song that's been on my mind uh, the whole time. Also, one of my favorite things ever from uh, from being a kid growing up loving wrestling when Hulk Hogan turned into Hollywood Hogan, did the NWO thing, switched to the Voodoo Child as his entrance music instead of that real American that he used to come out to. And he'd be coming out air guitaring on the championship belt and stuff. Just fucking awesome, man. So, I get it. I get it. So it's funny. This is, uh, sorry, yeah, this is the Voodoo Child 7, or, nope, it's not. It's the Voodoo Ranger. Uh, 7% IPA. Uh, and uh, same, yeah, neck of the woods, I guess, that you're living in in terms of Take it easy as you as you head into this. So it's funny that you went with and and I get it, Voodoo Child. That's clearly a uh, for some reason I'm thinking as soon as you said it's out of I don't know Boulder, Colorado, or wherever you Fort said it was. Fort Collins. Okay, the thriving metropolis <laughs> of, of Fort Collins. It made me think of Night Ranger and Sister Christian. Okay. 
I don't know, man. I, I, I think that's very outside the box, but that's Rob in a nutshell. Well, I was going to say, maybe that's an age difference thing, but Jimi Hendrix also not exactly my, my contemporary, so it doesn't really yeah. fit either. But uh, lots of stuff to get to, man, here on this one. We want to talk about the Sens. I know you want to weigh in on, uh, on the Brady thing finally getting done. Um, why don't we start, though, with uh, the Bruins locking up their number one defenseman, Ooh. and at this point... I guess you could make the argument that maybe it's Pasternak. I was going to say their franchise piece, maybe their best player, um, to an eight-year, $9.5 million per year contract. And um, this is kind of the, well, I'd be eager to get your take, but this would be the ceiling buster, whatever you want to call it, right? Like everybody sort of hung around in that neighborhood around, you know, Ber- uh, Marchand came in low, Bergeron came in low, uh, Pasternak, I think, was six six, something like that. Like no one, they all sort of had this thing. No one's gonna blast through the ceiling that the leadership group had set up, and we're seeing now as that core ages a little bit. And and there's rumors there has been for a couple years. Every year might be Bergeron's last. Um, we've seen guys move on. Tuka Rask, you don't know if he's coming back, but. And I don't know whether these things are related or not, but Charlie McAvoy took a look around what happened in the defensive market this summer and went, yeah, uh, I'm not that interested in our internal ceiling. I'll take the 9-5. Um, and just what that means for the Bruins, what it means for him, what you thought of the deal, man. Well, first of all, this sound. Yeah, that's that's a couple things happening. That is the Bruins, you know, artificial ceiling that they usually have like this is a franchise record contract yep um and the other thing is that knocking and that little flashing light at the far right of your eye that's the end of the bruins (laughs) uh competitive cycle right when when charlie mcavoy is good defenseman um but when the when the biggest stat you can throw out is and last year we finished fifth in norris voting right I, I like Charlie McAvoy. I think he's is he is he the fourth? You know, his it comes in tied with Seth Jones as the fourth highest paid defenseman. And there's a good argument to be had when you look at the top five of Carlson, Doughty, Warensky, Jones, and McAvoy. That maybe none of those are are in the top five defensemen. I'm not sure. And again, it is cyclical. I understand that. When, when you talk about what Marchand and Pasternak... Yeah, Pasternak they signed in. his just before this explosion right. of RFAs. And- right. And and how everything took that sort of really almost like a 50% jump. Yeah. Uh, for sure, at least a 30 to 40%. Um, but I found it super fascinating when I looked at that 9.5 number for Charlie McAvoy. I found that to be gratuitous. Right? I, I and, think I'm surprised a little bit, man. I, I, I look at all those deals that have been signed this year. To me, I look at that and go, he's maybe the one out of all those guys you just named where I'd go, yeah, okay. Like maybe more. And you said, like you, to be fair, you said maybe none of them are actually in the top five defensemen, but they are the top five highest paid now. Right. I look at that deal and go, I don't know. If, if Seth Jones is getting that, Charlie McAvoy is getting that, right? If I, I, he's a lot of his underlying stats say that he, he's a, absolutely a top three kind of two way defenseman in the league. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily have the, 
you know, 60, 70, 80 point seasons like some of the offensive stars. Right. But a lot of the, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that I've looked at on it and, and just, you know, the way this may play out over the long term and that's, you know, it is an eight year deal that say, you know, 9.5 may turn out to be just about right for that guy. In terms of his value compared to other defensemen, like we talked about what that means within the Bruins locker room could be a whole other story. But I, I, I didn't, I didn't kind of balk at this one like I did with some of the ones that happened earlier in the year. Well, and, and, and you're right. In, he's got another year on his on that bridge contract yeah. that pays him 4.9, I believe. And then the eight years kick in. Like he's going to be a Bruin, you know, trades will happen, but he's going to be a Bruin until his early 30s. Yep. Um, to me, I just, because he is, and, and as, as you said, you look at his, you know, driving play five on five numbers and these sorts of things. And he does have a good two way aspect to him. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, those aren't the guys that get paid. And so we can have that conversation is it, should that be the case, right? right? Do your Bob Gainey's of the world or your Patrice Bergeron's, uh, a, a sort of, he is the guy who everyone sort of looks at as that two-way yep. two-way guy who can contribute offensively but is also super responsible. And not just responsible, but elite yep. on, on, on the back end. And so um, I just was surprised. I was surprised by that number. And I was surprised by the fact that, you know, we've all – anybody who's who follows hockey even casually, and if, and if that's not you, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, honestly, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, it comes down to we've heard for 40 years this Bruins bullshit that hits you over the head with Ray Bork signed for this. No, how can you ask for more than Ray? Right. You can't ask for more. It's this Harry Sindin since the 70s imposed, you know, internal salary cap. And then people were saying, you know, Marchand and Bergeron, the strong leadership of the Bruins. And I don't disagree. Mm-hmm. That they're talking to McAvoy saying, hey, if you want to keep this ride going, you need to get in line salary-wise. And and to me, McAvoy, as you've said, said, nah, <laughs> forget it. You'll be right? out of here in a year or two anyway, Bergeron. Well, that's right? it. Exactly. See you later, Bergeron. Yeah. And then it's and Pasternak is all about how he wants to get paid. And, and um, yeah, I, I'm just to me, that is, I'll be interested to see the implications of this moving forward but i was surprised by the 9.5 number it just it sounds like you were more surprised by the fact that the bruins did it than by the fact that he may not fit into that other group well and uh yeah uh, but a little of both i would say right i i think they're both competing in terms of the i i am surprised that he's a 9.5 million dollar defenseman um when you look at him ahead of of that of that crust of guys that are coming behind um, who who don't have maybe the defensive side of the game that McAvoy has, right? But is this a new signal that that the those guys are going to get paid, right? The ones who have a slightly above average offensive skills and really competent defensive skills as well. Not just your Carlsons, your Doughties, your McCars, your Quinn Hughes, those guys, right? Like that you're going to get paid. Yep. Shabbats, whatever that is, right? Yep. As you work your way down. Um, yeah, you wonder so was, if this is a, are, are we starting to see, maybe I'm giving them too much credit, like, are we starting to see evidence that GMs are maturing, or just that this is what he means to the Bruins long term, knowing how much of their core is about to disappear, you know, knowing that, to me, the Seth Jones contract is is just terrible, um, 
you know, how much credit do you want to say that they're maturing as GMs league wide and what they're learning? It's just interesting to me. I, I do agree when you see that number come out of Boston, um, but it is to me a little bit of an indication again that this generation of young guys is just like, yeah, I'm not all that interested in your stodgy old whatever. Especially he can see over eight years. Bergeron for sure is not there for eight more years. Like he can see as well as anybody else. This time that the Bruins have been elite is winding down and, and maybe they'll be able to, to rebound and maybe they'll be able to kind of rebuild again, but I'm going to get mine because this ride's coming to an end. Yeah. And, and the idea that, and as you've said is, is I want to get paid if I'm going to have to endure a rebuild. And, and again, I've never heard anybody mention Boston and rebuild no. in the same sentence. But the reality is, if you as you've said, Bergeron said, man, he's kind of at a stage now where he's going year to year. Yep. He's saying, yeah, I'll see. I'll see where I'm at, right? And you got to know, man, as soon as as, as the Bruins' uh, cup-winning potential is sort of like, bam, slammed in their face because nobody thinks it's closed now or it's closing. They're like, yeah, man, I'm still good. Sure. I, I, just, I just read an article where Eric Carlson said, yeah, I still believe I'm one of the top players in the world. And you're like... Yeah, that's what that's what top end athletes say. Yeah, they don't you're know. one of the top seven hundred or so. We, yeah. we know that you're in the league. Right? Well, and, and all, all I'm saying is, when it comes to Bergeron, those people don't always know. No, the awareness of when that window was closed. Yeah. is 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 not always apparent to the to the athlete himself, and so it McAvoy sees that he's got to be able to see that that in in three or four years, this is absolutely done. In terms of that old core. Yep. And so at that point, you're like, yeah, okay, the cap should be $90 million or more, right? With with the TV money and yep. all that stuff. And once everything gets back up and running, and and I will just be one-tenth of that. And if, if I'm going to be the number one defenseman, you're going to build around me in the rebuild. So I, I certainly get that. He's saying, hey, sorry, sorry, Marchand and Bergeron, who are over 30. You're like, hey, uh you know what? I understand that you want me to take less so that they can take in a three and a half million dollar player somewhere, sure, yeah. but I'm not seeing it. You got this year. Yeah. Well, you wonder, you know, what I, that does in the room for yeah. the Bruins. If maybe it's nothing, their leadership group is pretty strong. Like maybe it's just, they, it doesn't do anything, but as you've said for years and years and years and years and years, that's the Bruin way supposedly has been to take a little bit less and, uh, you know, keep the balance. And, um, yeah, he, he clearly looked by that as more and more young play. I'm not even saying he's wrong. I'm just, he, he right. went ahead and did it and, and we'll see now what that might mean in the room before we move off him quickly. Do you think, um, like the, we've seen most nations now have had to unveil, uh, three players that will go to the Olympics and that's for marketing purposes. I don't know if you remember in 2002, and they did it in 98 as well. You had to name like eight or 10 guys before you actually announced your team. And the countries hated it because you're trying to build a team and now you've already like um, you've, you've been showed forced. favorites or whatever you want to yeah. say, right? You, yeah. you, you've named eight guys before. And for countries like Canada, it was a slam dunk anyway. You had to name them in like November or December and then, or maybe a little bit earlier. And then you named the team whenever the team had to be named. Now it's only three, and it's for marketing purposes. They want to be able to put together, you know, highlight packages and, you know, stuff around the city for which NHL players are coming. So for Canada, it was obviously Crosby, McDavid, and Petrangelo. I don't think there's any real 
shocks there. But for the U.S., Seth Jones, Austin Matthews, and I can't okay. even remember the third. Do you have okay. it? Okay. No, I don't at doesn't, all. And all it doesn't all. matter. Seth Jones was the reason I wanted to bring it up. Stan Bowman is the GM who just traded for Seth Jones, gave him $9.5 million. Uh, and that, like McAvoy, doesn't start until after this coming season. And I think that deal is going to turn out to be terrible. But Seth Jones is amongst that top three when, in my mind, he is not even their number one defenseman, let alone a top three player on the team. Um, to me, Charlie McAvoy, again, is probably the United States' best defenseman heading into that tournament. Do you do you think this matters? Do you think a guy like McAvoy cares? And do you think... Uh, is there even an argument to be made that Seth Jones is their top defenseman or is this Stan Bowman kind of reaffirming his own, hey, look, uh, he was one of the first three players named to Team USA. Why wouldn't he be worth that kind of money? You did both. Like, it, it's, <laughs> it sort of looks like a PR move to me a little bit. Did you read anything into it at all? Yeah, I, um, I think there is. An, no, I didn't at all, to be honest with you. But it's an interesting conversation, and I'm glad you brought it up because – uh, I certainly think that Seth Jones, you could make you could make an argument for that that he is their number one defenseman. You could make an argument for. It. I'm not. Yeah. I'm just saying it is there to be had. I personally go towards Zach Morensky. Okay. To to me as uh, and, and then go if you want to build it out, you know, leave him and Jones together as a top pairing. Pair somebody else with McAvoy as a third. I don't see McAvoy as as the number one American defenseman. Hmm. I, I certainly see him in the top three or four. Right. But it, to me, it, it's interesting. There are there are discussions to be had. But yeah, I, I, I'm not as down on Seth Jones right now today. We can talk about the nine years <laughs> that he's going to be in Chicago. We can certainly talk about that. Yep. Um. That that to me, he's got he's got skills and, and tools that I would want on my team. Um, Rough couple if, years coming in, though. Yeah, but look at what's the shit show in Columbus, man. Like yeah. that is yep. that that's like that's like talking about people coming out of Buffalo, <laughs> right? Who you're like, hey man, you did terrible in the last couple. You're like, have you seen the smoke and pile of dog shit behind me? Like, what do you want to do? Right. You you got you got guys who who want to be there, don't want to be there. You got the coach hates everybody, and and not just who's like you see him wearing a shirt that says "People, I hate them." <laughs> Right. Like it's, it's a tough, it's a tough time in Columbus, man. Yep. And so uh, I'm willing to see what Seth Jones brings in the next couple of years, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like you, you look at the, and this will be very familiar in, and you'll be intimate with this, that, that Columbus Toronto. Yeah. Matt will be. <laughs> I'm starting to think maybe this is why you and I seem to be at, at, at slightly different opinions of Charlie McAvoy. I just keep watching him rock my team and go, he must be pretty good. <laughs> right? like, yeah, well, how about, how, about, how about Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski yeah. playing 35 minutes a night in that playing in play round? <laughs> right. And this is where I was going, right? Was you look at, there was hand jobs all around for those two guys. Like people couldn't say enough good things about <laughs> Wierenski and Jones in that, in that, in that run. And so, to me, it's it's yeah. I'm willing to to sort of give him a, a pass on the shit show that was Columbus last year. Yeah, and so we'll see. We'll see. I I got time for the conversation. To me, it's more one year is a, a bit of a 
And again, a, a year when you're, it's a COVID year. Yeah, I, no, it's hard to judge a lot on that year. I'm willing to give a lot of people a pass on last year. But, but so, and just again, before we cycle off of this, this, this sort of general conversation of McAvoy and, and you, you mentioned maturing GMs and, and, you know, again, a lot of slobbering over the job that Don Sweeney's done there. And, and I, man, I am, I am not loving the complete picture that, that, that he's done there. Right. In terms of, uh, people uh, have this idea that, oh man, Don Sweeney has just killed it. And I'm like, when's the last sort of solid draft pick that that's panned out for that guy? And he had three yeah. in the top 15 at the, in that 16 or 15, whatever year that was. Well, there's a fairly if, famous tweet that reemerges every, uh, every now and then from that draft. That's like, oh my God, they're going to be able to get Shabbat Shillington and was one other name that was right there and he picked three other guys and you're like, oh no, <laughs> you didn't get any. Now you can argue what Shillington's turned out to be. Shabbat's obviously been so, but at the time it was these three slam dunks and he took none of them and it's kind of become this meme on Twitter that was, yeah. now he has rebounded a little bit since then. Uh, uh, to me, he's done a nice job keeping that window open. You're right on his drafting. You're right. There's not right. a ton of youth coming, but he has made some nice moves. The Craig Smith move I thought was pretty good. I think we both thought the Taylor Hall contract that they managed to to get done this year yep. wasn't too bad. True. Uh, so, you know, it's sort of keeping this window open as long as you can, but yeah, I don't think he's done much to build for the future, which can be tough when you're trying right. to win every year, but no, I'm with you. The future doesn't but, look great there. But we heard about, you know, JFK for his backup Carlson yep. and we heard about uh, Donato and, and all Anders these guys. Bjork before he got Anders Bjork, Bjork. Yes. thank you very much that's the other guy I'm like I can't think of that guy's name yeah but these guys who were like can't miss dominant they're gonna just step right in and you're like mm, none of them none yeah. of them and and again the the Taylor Hall contract to me you're right but it's kind of like getting a guy at at the low cycle right you're like sure man you cycle through and you're like hey how about now what do you think of this yeah, we're perfect, right? Whereas if he's riding high, he's like, nah, that's the land where the Leafs live in free agency, man. Like, yeah, I see yeah, you're yeah. I see you've hit rock bottom. You want to come try and rebuild it here? Yes. I see it's eight o'clock in the morning. You're still wearing the dress you put on at six o'clock yesterday. Come on down, baby. Um, nice. That's a great analogy, Rob. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> the walk of shame. Uh, why don't we go to Brady? I know you, I, I want to let you comment on that. Uh, I don't have a ton more on it just because hit it a few times here over the last few weeks, but it is relevant now that it's done and he is back in town. I thought uh, during the Senator's home opener, hitting the stone cold music as he walked, it was pretty cool. Like they, the, the fans reacted to it as obviously he couldn't play, but there he is in the building. I thought they did a nice job with that. Um, and it was funny to see, like, because he's down there with the fans. He's trying to interact. He's trying to socialize. There is a guy in an Austin Matthews jersey trying to get in there, and he kind of totally cold shoulders him, right? Just like, <laughs> um, that which was pretty cool. So, you know, the, the vibe that day when it finally got done around hockey Twitter and around the nation's capital, like, was you could tell there had been a load lifted off the the fan base, off the organization, and, you know, the season's going to look like whatever the season looks like. It, I think a lot of people are optimistic, but this cloud, this thing is gone and, and done. Um, what did you think of the contract? Yeah, well, well, first of all, before we get to that, I, I, I wanted to get your take on the, on the Stone Cold 
intro, which to me I thought was was super cool. And I'm not sure everybody got it, right? In terms of those beyond a certain age. Sure. The glass shatter. The and glass the... shattering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that music has still is enough of a meme online that most people, okay. uh, it, it would have been lost on a couple. But even if you didn't, here's some big loud music as your star comes out. It, it still worked. I, I thought it was really cool. They, I guess it ran during a commercial break and then they hit it on yeah. TV when they came back to the broadcast. Yeah. And, and the crowd did go nuts. So, I mean, that's really the reaction you're looking for. It was pretty cool. For, for sure. And, and and so the things that I'm looking at is I like, I wasn't, you know, I was, it was weird a little bit, the whole Wolf of Wall Street thing that they were, that they, <laughs> that they did with the superimposed heads. Yes. Um, all right. But again, it, 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 it's one of those things where you look at it and you go, I did like it. And, and, and it's funny because when he can't, when he comes out and most hockey players sort of do the wave yeah. and they're like, ah, shucks. Like to me, the guy is. Oh, he did his little, I forget what it's called, but his little dance or not. His, his little celebration, right? That he does after he scores. Yeah. It's Frank the Tank. That's it. It's Frank <laughs> the Tank from old school, which is hilarious too, right? Of course. He knew, then, he, they did interview him. I think it was in the post-game press conference. He kind of said, I didn't really know what to do. I knew though, normally I'm down on the ice, right? I'm in my gear. I'm sort of in my comfort zone. I've never really had to walk out to a crowd like this. And like, well, here it is, right? This is, yeah. I'm going to throw it down and I hope it goes over well. And it absolutely did. Well, and, and so the, this is the thing about that guy is that kind of, that kind of shtick. Yeah. W- if somebody else was to do it, you'd be like, Ah, uh, it's forced. It's, or it's cringe. Fake. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But when he does it, that's him. Yep. Like it, it's just so him, and which is what, it, which is what the crowd and the fan base embraces so much about him mm-hmm. is, is he is passionate, and and now that the money is, and we can talk about it, but once the money is done, the guy just wants to play hockey, and and you get that from him. I do anyways, 100%, right? That he just wants to get on the ice and he wants to hit people and he wants to skate around and, and and do all this stuff. And so he looks like a man too, I think is the other thing. He looked more lean. Now, again, normally you see him in his gear and it's, it's hard to, but he did, he looked, he looked lean and like more muscular maybe than, uh, with, with the haircut and everything, do you get a little, no, give me a little creative license here. (laughs) The, the head I'm talking about, do you get a little Brock Lesnar from him? It's, <laughs> to me, it's the, it's the short of the size and a little bit and you sort of like, ah, meathead, a little bit. Anyways. You could have hit that music too when he walked out. It's reasonably recognizable to a certain group. Not like Stone Cold, but uh, that would have worked too, yeah. Well, I, to me, when Brock first came out and it was Show to the Devil by Motley Crue. Yeah. That was bad. That'll work, yep. At, at the UFC. Yep. Anyways, um, you and I talked about it. A month ago, we said, you know, bring him in at the 8.25, right? And and that will be, you know, we can debate the overpay. We can debate all those things, right? But to me, it's, 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 I'm glad to have him for the seven years. I, I am willing to debate is 8.2 million for that guy who I don't know will ever hit 80 points. So that is. Well, in, so far, in, he hasn't hit 50. Uh, for sure. But I'm saying when we talk about and everybody who gets signed out of an entry level, uh, be it 
Matthews, Marners, anybody. Yeah. Right. You are paying for potential for, for, and for UFA years. And yes. you're paying for all these things. And yep. so um, to me, if we want to use the same, the same sort of um, rule as we use for McAvoy, you go, yeah, eight, you know, 8.2, 9.5, whatever that is, we're paying for what you're doing down the road. Um, I'm content with it. I'm content with it. Is it is it a slight overpay? Yeah, for sure, for all those intangibles. But to me, we're now only paying 1.2 for those intangibles if we look at him as, in his prime, a 70-point guy, which I have no problem saying. Here's the thing. I, I believe it's an overpay like you. I, I don't know if I'm in the same neighborhood, a million, you know, 1.2, whatever it might be. It, I've said all along, putting a price tag on what that guy brings is going to be very difficult. And I, I still stand by that. This feels high, but I've also said at some point, even outside of the trying to pay for the intangibles thing, and I said it to you in an email, I guess it was Friday or Thursday, whenever he signed, to me this was as much an investment in the franchise, right? This You had to get this story to go away. You had to get this guy signed. You had to show the fan base you were serious. You had to show the next guys that are going to come up and negotiate that you're serious. And you had to show other, you know, guys who might have no trade clauses or upcoming free agents that this isn't going to keep being a thing, that you're going to sign your guys. And so I don't know what percentage of that is intangibles. I don't know what percentage of the deal is the investment in the franchise. But that's, to me, the only way that I can look at that 8.25 and go, okay, right? Because it, it it feels, I, I'm not sure, and again, this is going to sound like I'm running him down. I'm not as confident as you that he becomes a regular 70-point guy. I, you know, I don't know what that ceiling is. It'll be above 50, but I, you know, is it more like 60, 65? I, I don't know. But he is going to bring the hits. He is going to bring the energy. He is going to bring the leadership. He's going to do all of that stuff. And now you've showed the fan base again, like you did with Shabbat, like you've done with Batherson, and I know it hasn't worked out, but like you did with Colin White, you're building a case here that we're going to do it. We're going to pay when it's time. And I guess in that regard, as a a final, and it won't be a final because there's going to be a bunch more kids that need to get paid here, but for now, another statement, we will do this when it's time to do this. I think in that regard... It's an okay thing to do, but I don't know what that guy's real number does. You know, if it if if he's in another city that doesn't need to make that statement, I don't know what that number looks like. And so I, I want to kind of go through the deal in terms of what each side got, right? Brady apparently... Go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, to me, it's seven. It's okay. seven for that guy in another market that doesn't that doesn't need it. And, and you've touched on it that... What the more than more than what Brady does and brings on the ice, and we can talk about the goals and assists. Mm-hmm. And when I say 70, I'm talking about a 30, 40 uh, with with matured good players around him yep. a, as the ceiling. Um, so to me, that is that is the ceiling for this player. Um, but yeah, what we can't calculate also is is as you've touched on is the message it sends to the fan base. Yep. In this rebuild, everyone stays. Right. Right. That that that's a that's a quote from from Pierre Dorian who looks like when I saw him on on press conference day for this deal, looks like he's aged 10 years. Oh, I don't doubt it. <laughs> um 
like this, this deal, is, the people he's negotiating with, plus the boss above him. Like, oh my yeah. god! Like, <laughs> yeah, honestly, you are feeling it, man. That's how diamonds are created, Pierre. <laughs> right there, my friend, because there is downward pressure and there is lateral pressure. Yep. Like, you are feeling it. Um, but yeah, that this is, and and you started to see it, right? As happens with every, t- and this isn't a holdout, but anytime there's a disagreement and players are saying. I want more money or whatever it is because we weren't privy to all the conversations. Yeah. Um, fans start to turn on the player because yep. at, at the end of the day, 8 million, 7.5. Fuck man. That's a lot of money. Yep. We don't want to hear that. I need eight, two. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear the eight isn't good enough. The 8.2. Like that's just the natural tendency when you go, yeah, man, our ICUs are jammed and blah, blah, blah. And, but you have to suspend those. But mm-hmm. the natural tendency is the people who don't – I don't want to say don't get it because it's crazy. When there's people dying from curable diseases, we talk about sports dollars and it's insane. Yep. But the reality is this is the world we live That's in. That's the market. Yeah. So – but but people turn against the, the, the player quicker than they turn against – the organization. So weird. They will always choose the billionaire over the millionaire. It's odd, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the reality is the player, the career is short. Mm-hmm. Get your money, man. Get your money and go. Because at the end of the day, that's all it is. And this is you have a very short earning career. Um, but it's it's the it's him signing sends a strong message. To the fan base, which I think is is where I'm, I I feel most strongly with this, that those fans who who were sort of like starting to shift on to the team side of the fence, right? They're swept up in that moment of that home opener, right? Yep. Where when the when the music dies down and the chance of Brady Brady start start to start mm-hmm. to pick up, right? And so, to me. It's that is what you're paying for. And those nights when when you gotta drag the team into the into the fight, which is what DJ uses all the time, right? Um, that analogy of he's going all the time, yep. right? You never he's a self-starter and he wants to win, and that manifests itself not just that I need to score goals, but I'm gonna go to the net. If I have to fight, I'll do it. We don't want to see too much of that, but I'm gonna hit. I'm yep. going to take shots. I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to be fired up and I'm going to be talking shit nonstop to the <laughs> opponent all the time. And so those are the things where you go, yeah, I want that man. As an underdog, I want to embrace that guy. And I want to, I want to get in behind, get under my cape, man. And let's go. That's that to me is what I get. Well, the shifting fan base is interesting. Cause it reminds me of the, the Marner thing where all summer it was, you know, we were hearing this and that, and his agent was talking constantly, and the fans were starting to actually get on the organization, and yeah. the, the it was kind of sitting on Marner's side, and then we get to the first day of training camp, or the day before the first day of training camp, and Kyle, I, I'm sure he picked this up from Lou, but the Leafs don't leak much these days. More stuff yeah. comes out on their own, you know, PR feeds than from insiders, but all of a sudden, a day before training camp ends... Out of nowhere, we're not really sure where it came from, but it becomes public that the Leafs have already offered him the Tavares deal. And the fan base in a heartbeat went, what the fuck? You've turned down, you know, 11 times 8 for what? 
And within two, three days, Marner's like, holy, okay, fuck. Like, let's, we're getting this done. It comes in under Tavares at the eight years, obviously. And it should have, in my opinion. But it's funny how the fans will, you know, kind of vacillate back and forth between, I'm frustrated with this today. I see that guy's point. I see their side. And all of a sudden, the Leafs went, we're done being beat over the head by the fact that we're being unreasonable. Here's what's happening. Jesus Christ. Like, and you could... You can change it on a dime, right? So let me just hit you with a couple notes here on how this one for Brady panned out. Brady, by all reports, wanted to be in Ottawa, likes it here, is happy here, but wanted to go short-term for a lot of the reasons that a lot of guys want to go short-term. There's not as much money in the system right now. Get a short-term deal. Make sure the other young stars that are going to be up and coming get locked up and stay. Make sure you wait until there's more money in the system. Uh, things are a little more stable and then get paid. Um, he didn't get that. He had to budge and give long-term. He also didn't get the bonuses, which were apparently a sticking point. A lot of players on July 1st get most of their salary and then basically, you know, get league minimum wage throughout the season. The senators stuck to the fact that we don't do that, whether that's a policy or a cash flow thing is, is up for some debate, but is irrelevant. Yes. <laughs> um, but is irrelevant here. He didn't get that, uh, but he did get the overpay. Like if we agree that he's a seven million, seven point two, seven point five million dollar guy, he got up to eight, eight point two. Uh, so everybody had to give a little here. There was some negotiating here, and I don't know, man. I like I said, I feel like this is high, but I do at the same time kind of look at the job Pierre did. He got him long term. He didn't give up the bonuses. I, you know, sometimes that's the price of doing business. We had to pay a little more to get him to accept the fact that we're not giving him this and this. Well, I, I think it comes down to, and, and you're right, right? As it came down to when you were hearing the podcast out of St. Louis, which, uh, which Strickland came, and uh, yeah, Andy and Andy Strickland uh, and Strick and Cam Jansen, I think yeah, is the and, uh, Andy and Cam. Yeah. Um, and, and Andy Strickland coming out saying, yeah. The guy wants a bridge contract, get it done and everybody moves forward. And so that was the first bit that got leaked. And so at that point you're like, and then it freaks the hell out of everybody. We've talked about it. You and I, uh, Graham Nichols and you talked about it, right? That what happens with a bridge contract with a player and the echoes of the past and the Mm -hmm. fears and all those things. And this marketplace, all the different shit that care that comes forward fears all fears right and and again graham was very good at in a very even keeled approach <laughs> coming at it saying but but again acknowledging that there are pressure points in this market and so uh, yeah i think at the end of the day for as much shit that that gets slung up here and i sling up here yeah some of it he's earned yeah. for sure he has yeah. but at the end of the day when you look at this guy Today, mm-hmm. in the, in the light of day today, this market is very happy to have him for seven more years. That that is the sign that they were able to get that done. They were able to make a move because if they signed him today, yesterday, next week for a bridge contract, you'd yep. say, you fuckers, yep. you, you could have done that in August. Yep. Right. But and even as that, Graham said, even if it's a totally reasonable thing to do for all the business reasons, this fan base is going to be nervous about that, right? That that says 
different things to this fan base than it might to another. Yeah. It was important to get this done long term. And and so to me, at that point, you're like, and, and again, with the whole thing, the no moves don't they come in in the UFA years. Yeah. And it's it's a good deal. There's a lot of things that the senators brass should be happy about. And so well, and fact, like the slight overpay, maybe unless you believe Eugene when he says they're going to be a cap team here. I don't know. Like it, I've said it with the, the Leafs guys, right? If you're going to miss, miss up high. Don't miss yep. on your mid-card guys. Don't miss on your lower-end guys. Yep. If you're going to miss, miss up high and wait and see. I don't know whether they're going to end up being a, a cap team or not. But TBD. I, yeah, I tend to doubt it. But at least if you missed high, you missed high on your top guy. Well, and, and and the only reason, and again, there's no reason, you know, judging by the last four, five, six years yeah. to think that they would be a cap team, um, is as as the TV money increases, yeah. there is less on, on this tight market, right? The pressure on your season ticket base lessens slightly. Yep. It's still important in the NHL, but but for this market, which is fickle and hates the owner. Yeah. Right. It it is a it's an interesting sort of scenario, and so to me, this is a win. This is a win for the brass. And again, there's no tag Dale days for for Brady. There's no <laughs> there's no you know I got to buy dented tins at uh, Giant Tiger. Right. The dude's doing okay for sure. Right. And so at the end of the day, he's happy to be back. And and he said something interesting on local radio, which was they they asked him. You know, and they framed the question in a positive way. How good was it to have your brother and your father on your side to help ground you in in sort of this business mm-hmm. situation? And he said uh, they were instrumental. He said, you know, they um, they knew when to give me advice and when to stay back and let me make my own decisions because everything I get on the surface says, you know, this is the, the the franchise that drafted Brady and he loves it here. And I believe that. Mm-hmm. I believe that when he says that, that he loves to be a senator. Um, that, yeah, that that's important to him. And so I think the fact that we talked about last week, two weeks ago, that if you're going to overpay to bring in a free agent, why don't you slightly overpay to keep your own RFAs? Yep. To avoid that situation down the road, I think this achieves that, and it sends up a super positive message to Norris, Pinto, Sanderson down the Stutzler. road, Stutzel, and and yeah, that and the fan base that this is going to happen, and and we will do our best. We will see. We will see if we make it to eighty five, whatever the cap gets to. We will see, but at this point in time. This is the positive message that that the fan base is looking for. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about what's gone on here thus far in the season for the Senators and for the Leafs? Can, can, can I just before just before you break that off? Mm-hmm. I was at a well, I actually hosted a small, fully vaccinated dinner party last night. Small. Everybody's very defensive about these things. Anybody you talk to now, they're like, "Yeah, I got together with so and so." Outside, and we're all vaccinated. Like it's, it's, oh, no. it's a we thing. Were all, we were no, all I know, inside. but just at, at some point, everybody lays down a pre 
a preamble yeah. of why it was okay. I think at some point we're just going to have to be okay with it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and and really that's what it that's what it is. Yeah. But one of the ladies is German. Okay. And so I said to her, "Hey, do you follow hockey much?" And she's like, "Huh, sort of." And I said, "Number eighteen for the Ottawa Senators." And she's like, "Yeah." Do you know who that? Do you know who that is? She's like Jason Spezza. I'm like, no, close, no, yeah. Um, I said the German kid, and she's like, Stutzel. I'm like, yeah. Can you can you slow that down and give us the full German pronunciation of his name? Because honestly, he's played a year, and I continue to hear a bunch of different shit. Because see, I heard for the longest time Stutzel, and then I was corrected. It's Stutzler. Right. And apparently so we're going back. Yeah, it's Stutzel. There's no L on the end. And she's like, he's not going to come out and say it. She said, but he should. Right. It's sh, 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 like shit your pants. Right. Stutzel. And so that's what I'm, because I've heard that recently in the last week or so, right? That it's, he he wants to go with Stutzel, not Stutzler. Okay. Stutzel. So, I just wanted to I wanted to clear that up. And as I finish this beer, <laughs> at the end of it, it is quite punching in the face with the rye. It's it, as it gets closer, as I said, to room temperature. Yeah. It's very rye. Very rye guy. Well, this uh voodoo ranger over here, very hoppy. A lot of bite to it, right? It's uh that was nice. Um at, the Leafs actually put out a video before opening night that was all their guys, you know. For PR purposes, I'm sure for whatever, just for fun, here's how you pronounce our name, right? And so it had like Andre Kasha go first and some of these more. And then like Nick Ritchie's looking at the camera like, Nick Ritchie, like what's the problem? <laughs> like just uh, <laughs> had a few of those. Jason Spezza. And you're like, yeah, we got it, man. You've been around for like 20. And he's clearly bemused by the whole, yeah, all right, it's Jason Spezza. But the Leafs, I guess, have enough guys that are... Uh, uh, I don't know. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll so, move so, off. So, what did Johnny Tavares say though? That's the key. Tavares. 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 Yes. Yep. Anyways, carry on. Well, Gord Miller tells the story all the time that he's fed up. He's had enough. He he said before the World Juniors here in Ottawa, he asked John specifically, "How do you want me to say your name?" And he told him Tavares. Yeah. Okay. So through that world junior and for the first however many years of his career, that's what Gord Miller called him. And then he asked him again when he got to Toronto, just because he had different people saying it different ways. And he goes, just confirm for me Tavares. He goes, no, Tavares. And you're like, well, you told me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he sort of said like, I'm over it, right? Like you, you've told me both ways. I'm just going to throw it out there at this point. (laughs) Well, his, cause his uncle, the lacrosse player is Tavares. Right. Right. And so that's, that's what it's always been. John Tavares. Well, maybe maybe hockey player John is uh, just a little more clever than we think, or a little more cunning. Maybe he's just dicking with people, right? Or, or to... he spent some time in Long Island, and maybe. nobody knew shit, and there was one reporter, and he just told them what it was. And um, and it's Gord Miller said the same thing about Marshan. Yes. Marshan. Yep. Right? He said the same thing. He's like, I asked him right. at the World Juniors, and he said Marshan. Yep. And now it's whatever it is yeah. it's to me it, it fluctuates all the time yeah exact douchebag right 
Um, why don't we talk a little bit about? I, look, I got some things I want to say to hockey Twitter. I got some things I want to say about the Leafs' calamity yesterday. But just in general, as we sit here, I guess the Senators are probably playing right now. I think they had a five o'clock start. But uh, as we sit here, the Sens are one and one after home and home with the Leafs. I assume going into this, they would have taken that. Leafs are two and one, um, and you know the rocky road to get there. But I, I would imagine they would probably take that as well. Uh, just sort of in general, before we get into uh, the Leafs and some of the shit that's on my mind, even outside of actual hockey, what did you think of the the first two games here, the home and home between the Leafs and Sens? The Sens are absolutely stoked to come out of that one and one. Right. The Leafs having a bit of a snooze, <laughs> looking a little bit shitty in their own end, leaving Morazic out in the uh, in that first period. Oh man, how about on Saturday the move that Stutzla Stut what at the Timmy Stu put on uh, TJ Brody just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well okay and and the, the the thing from the first two games that I'm I'm taking away from a Senators aspect yeah is Formanton going around Morgan Riley for that puck in the in the Ottawa home opener right so yes. the the first this year where he's like excuse me he just flew no, right no. by. Yes, and that is totally legit because he did do it. And you could see, like, because at first, like, the Sens Twitter is having a fit. Uh, Morgan Riley's a good skate. Morgan Riley is dogging it to start. And then he looks over. Oh, my God. And, like, he tries yeah, to yeah. he tries to fire it up, but Formenton just blows past him. Like, it yeah, was, yeah. it was in, like, incredible the speed that he put on. But Riley had started out dogging it, and he, he just, at some point, then couldn't get back in the fucking yeah, it's, race. It's, it's it's too late. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and again, I'm not reading anything. No, no, it, but it's it and, was funny. Like, any of it was was just the excuse me. Yeah, put see harm out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the difference is where these two teams sit right now. There's there's no Kachuk, but there's also no Matthews. Yep. And a couple of crucial characters. Yeah, and, and it's it's the Leafs are just the better team. They're just a better team, and that shows out over in the six periods. At least four of them, the Leafs were the better team yeah. in those in those periods. And so, the Senators have to continue to add and continue to mature to make it to where the Leafs are and their and their pedigree and what they've what they've learned and earned over over their four or five years of of, of upswing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like what the Leafs have done. And, and you look through the preseason, and it's not a fluke. The games when Ottawa plays Toronto, Toronto has been able to, for the most part, put the thumb on on, on the Senators' speed and trying to generate offense. And so... I think it's the defense. Like, it's Ottawa's defense is just Toronto is able to... And they, they've been better. Like, last year, Toronto was a top eight defense in the league, which people have a hard time believing. But... You know, they made some nice I, I, moves. I there. still do right now. Right. Um, but they were able to kind of step up, and there's just not enough there after that top pair that's that's able to make plays and get Ottawa going through the neutral zone, right? Once Shabbat and and Zub leave the ice, that's it. Like there's just not much there on the the once you get the puck to the forwards, there's some skill there, there's some speed there, there's some stuff that backs you off a little bit. But 
there's just not enough nice plays being made up and out of the defensive zone or coming through the neutral zone on the stick of the defense. It's sort of what I saw coming at it's from the Ottawa yeah. side of things. And, and and if I can, and I know you have you have some rants to go and, and, and but I, if I can just say one thing and and again in in a Canadian market doesn't matter which market it is, right? It's the bottom end of the of the roster is where people get super horny. It's like. <laughs> Like I am upset about my right. seventh defenseman. You're like, you know, most markets don't give a damn. Yep. But I look at with the injuries that's happening now with with um, White, with Watson, and and this is this is in your bottom six forwards. Mm-hmm. If you were going to as DJ Smith, and again, f- flash, you know, back to early last season when I put DJ on notice <laughs> right on this right on this show. If, if he's you not wanna, returning our calls now, yeah. If you want to dress guys, i.e., Josh Brown or Sabarin, if you want to bring these guys because you feel like you need some of what they provide, as in toughness, they'll fight. When I watch Josh, well, when I watch Scott Sabarin, what yep, is it? Scott Sabarin. When I watch him cave to Wayne Simmons at the end of the of the of the preseason, yeah. if you are not able to, as a guy who is una, you know your one role, it's your only job. You had one job here, and 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 you cave like literally. He didn't want to engage with Wayne Simmons. He just sort of went to the ice with him. Yeah. If that's your job, I don't need you in the NHL, man. I will take somebody else. Give me Likewise, another Tyler Ennis or something who at least might make a play. Like this is it, right? If 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 you're if you if you're not a good enough fighter to take it because Simmons provides other things. Well, right. Sometimes. Well, he scored yeah. last Saturday. Anyways, all I'm saying is, if you're not good enough to do that, I don't need you. Yep. Josh Brown, whatever it is, if that's where and and Graham Nichols said, if that's where plays go to die, <laughs> I'll I'll do it with somebody else, man. Yeah. I will do it with somebody else. And so I don't need toughness for toughness' sake, especially against the Leafs. No, because that's not what they're bringing. No, move along. And so to me, those sorts of things I don't need. I don't need that in my. If you can play like Austin Watson kills penalties, fourth line winger, you're going to get out and you're going to forecheck, bang, do whatever. And if there's something that happens and needs to be rectified, handles it quite admirably. Yep. Doesn't win them all, yep. but he also serves other purposes in my lineup. That's what I need. That's what every NHL team needs in 2021. So I don't need that. I don't need to see those guys again. Go with skill. Yeah, we, what do we? Who was the guy last year? The center they brought in that was like, oh no, like it was terrible. The veteran. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, um, well, there was Cedric Paquette, but that's not who I'm thinking of. There was another guy too. Uh, well, anyway. you're talking with the tough guy. You're no, no, guy? it was just a guy oh. that they thought was going to like play top six center. I thought former former Ranger, former yeah, uh, yeah. Stepan. Yeah, that's right, Derek Stepan. You're like that guy's got to be able to play, or he's got to go. And I know he's not the same way you're talking about, but stop putting veterans in the way Del of Zotto. the kids, right? Like Del Zotto is another one who I guess is going to get in today. I don't know if there was an injury or or whatever. As we sit here on Sunday, he was going to play. play. Yeah, could be. I'm not sure. I'm looking for Del Zotto to change that, but well, uh, no. And, and again, that's a guy who who was who made 750 last year. Yeah. I, I believe on a two way contract in Columbus. Yeah, and you sign him for two million dollars and for two for years. Two years. Yeah, 
Uh, that is, and, and then, and, and, and coming back a, around to you, Pierre, <laughs> and it's a healthy scratch in your first two games. And yeah. so it's, it comes down to you've made, and, and, and again, I, I, you and Graham didn't address it directly, but you were all around it. <laughs> uh, no, no, is, is the idea that what you have coming between Jacob Bernard Docker, maybe Lassie Thompson, you have S- Sanderson still killing it right now at North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Those guys you hope to integrate into your lineup. So right now, in terms of the evolution of the Senators, you have placeholders. Yes, and that's right. you can't do not have your placeholders like Michael Delzato two years no. taking up a spot for those guys. That's all I that's all I'm asking. Uh the other thing on the Senators I want to ask you about here quickly, I believe and I, it was reaffirmed, and, and frankly, I've been swayed by Graham Nichols in terms of the Senators' goaltending that Philip Gustafson should be up. Um, you know how I feel about Matt Murray, who's been out, and we've seen Forsberg, quite frankly, have two incredible games. And it feels very much like they can't wait, in my opinion, it feels like they can't wait to get back to starting their third best goaltender. Yeah, well, when you look at, and again, you're you're quite right, the center's game is going right now, and so I'm uh, I, I'm actually wishing got an I eye on it. <laughs> um, but it, it comes down to, yeah, that is another one of those deals where I loved, and, and you said it, I believe in in the show. I love the acquisition of Matt Murray. Right. I did not love the contract, um, but you know, as a as a fan, and you try and look at it objectively, and you say, you hope he can, you hope he can match those cup winning that cup winning pedigree and make that make that lofty contract worthwhile but the more it goes now not only can they not wait to start their third string goalie they also maybe can't wait for the four years to be over when they don't have to pay Matt Murray right well that's when I say that to me Matt Murray's their third best goalie and they're going to rush back to start him is what I'm alluding to like they Philip Gustafson to me, if he, if you're not going to start him, then fine. He should be in Belleville, but you know, Nichols kind of said on the show, he thinks he was probably ready to, to take the ball this year and Forsberg. It's a pretty small sample size here. Two games this year. He looked pretty good in those two games. Like I, I just, I don't think at this point you could trade Matt Murray. So you're going to have to try to rehabilitate as much as you can and, and see what's there. But man, over the last, how like calendar two years like we're talking like bottom five or ten goalies in the league in terms of his statistics and well, getting paid big big money Dom Lushishin said it yeah. yes. the only guy the only Savage. guy worse yeah was you know I former uh former Edmonton guy former Minnesota guy Devin uh, Dubnik Devin Dubnik <laughs> oh and he was out of the league yes. no it, it, it's very clear and 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 the reality is that that as soon as as Hogberg was gone and Murray was injured, the fortunes of the team took a huge upswing. Yes, <laughs> and, 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 That's and again, not what you want? <laughs> and, and again, and, and you guys touched on it. Shite start, super hot finish. Yep. What's the reality? Well, the reality is the middle part where they were a slightly above five hundred team. Yeah, that's the reality of what that team is. But you, nobody. And I say nobody <laughs> can sustain a- and surpass 
shitty goaltending. No. It just does not happen, man. And so if it's it's I looked at the probable starters today and it said Forsberg again. And I'm like, are you We're kidding gonna me? Ride this guy into the ground. Well, no, but like this is three games in four nights. Yeah, no, I know. I, I think un- I thought they were going with Gus. I, it's unheard of yes. in 2021 NHL. Yeah. And so you're like, well, what's the deal with Murray? Like all we're hearing is, oh, maybe it's a little flu. And it's speculation. They're yeah. not saying what it is. It's ill. But you're like, well, what's the deal? And so if you cannot at the beginning of a season muster up some shit, <laughs> you then we got problems, man. We got problems. Let's talk about problems, ma'am. I got I got time for that, Matt. All right. On Saturday night, the well, Saturday morning, why don't we start there? Chris Johnston, who I love, I, I, is one of my favorite guys. I don't think he did the Leafs any favors with the tweet that he put out. And it, all the facts were correct, but the wording was unfortunate, <laughs> which said, uh, it, it, I'm paraphrasing, but not by much. The Toronto Maple Leafs do not have enough cap space to call up Michael Hutchinson, and so they will be signing uh, to an amateur tryout the uh, U of T goalie Alex Bishop. And just the way it led off with the Toronto Maple Leafs do not have enough, and that's correct. But you lead with it, ah, God. Here's what happened, for those who may have missed it. Austin Matthews is out, but he's out not out long-term enough to go on long-term IR. That has to be a minimum, I believe, of 10 days, uh, and they didn't expect he would miss that much, and reports coming out on Sunday are that he will play Monday. So that turned out to be correct. Peter Morazic got hurt on Thursday night against Ottawa. Doesn't look like he's out long enough to warrant putting him on long-term injured reserve. So he's still on your roster. So the logical thing you would do on Saturday is send down Timothy Lilligren, your defenseman, to clear a little cap space. You bring up Michael Hutchinson, who's your third-string goaltender. He backs up Jack Campbell, and off you go. Well, Justin Hall shows up to work on Saturday morning a little sick. Doesn't turn out to be COVID, but he's got a cold and he is unable to play. So now you need Timothy Lilligren to play. And you are out of cap space. You now can't make a move. And so you are allowed to sign an amateur tryout where the guy doesn't get paid. Although typically the hat gets passed around the locker room after the game. You send the kid on his way to uh, uh, have a decent Saturday night. And I wonder, he maybe didn't have the Saturday night that most amateur tryout goalies would have had. Because uh, one of the reporters in the scrum after the game asked him like, uh, what was it like getting ready? And he goes, I couldn't have a, my pregame nap. I was too nervous. So I studied for my exams, which are next week. And you're like, oh, Jesus. So he may have had to go home and study. All of this is to say, it's not ideal. You are up against the cap. And, you know, it would have been nice if you'd had enough room to, to make a move and to get things done. But it's almost a series of unfortunate events. 20% of your salary cap was unable to play, but unable to be placed on LTIR. And all of a sudden, we get the shitstorm again of Kyle's botched this. You know, I, I don't understand. I keep seeing the phrase poverty franchise because they don't have the pennies under the cap, I guess is what it's supposed to mean. Literally, the problem is they're trying to spend too much money. That doesn't scream poverty to me, but you're a fucking dial tone in my Twitter mentions, so we'll carry on, I guess. 
This became a huge story. And what went completely unnoticed is Colorado did the exact same thing on Saturday night. The same night Colorado did this, had to play a man short. Vegas has done it. Chicago has done it. Pittsburgh has done it for multiple games down the stretch one year. Calgary has done it. This isn't unusual. This happens when you want to run high up against the cap. But either because you're a disingenuous douchebag that wants to pretend you don't understand so that you can take cheap shots, or you're literally that stupid, this becomes a huge story that Kyle, trade the big four, this model isn't working again. You dressed a kid to sit on the bench. He didn't see the ice. He didn't have to play. You carried on as usual and you won. But there are people out there calling this a mess. It's not ideal, but it was hardly the calamity that was being painted as, and no one that was ripping Kyle and the Leafs for it bothered to mention that this has happened countless times over the salary cap era. Yeah. You tell him, Chuck. Chuck is totally down with that. And so the the problem is... Tell me. When you have the largest fan base in a hockey-crazed country, which this is, Mm -hmm. social media and Twitter gives voice to every idiot who feels like... How come they all know my Twitter handle? (laughs) How come they all land in my mentions? Well, I I don't, I don't, Matt, I, I don't know all, you and I go back a long time, but I don't know all your background and all the circles you run in. So I I can't really say all that, but Mm -hmm. yeah, this is, and again, anytime you use Twitter as, as a, a barometer for sane people, it's kind of, you're, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure, man. Yeah. Cause these are a bunch of people who, who've, who've watched, you know, and, and, and you and I love hockey. Yeah. Sports. Less and less but, by the day. <laughs> but, but, hockey, but hockey in general. Right. And, and this is the deal. And, but there's a lot of people out there who are still just the, your mom, or I say your mom, anybody's mom. Who's like, oh, I tuned in on Saturday and I saw a blank. And you're like, oh, those fuckers. <laughs> no, my mom's not saying that. My mom is saying that guy's super handsome. Whatever. But she's looking at your lo- brother or. Yeah. Well, that's a totally different story altogether. <laughs> yeah. but we can, that's a different podcast, actually. All right. Um, but the idea that, that, that Twitter just gives a pile of people who, and again, your timeline, uh, your whatever, I can't speak to. Um, but yeah, there's a, it gives voice to a bunch of people who don't have all the facts. Well, you hate, okay, but there are plenty of people who do, and this is sort of where this conversation is going to shift to, but before it does, you hate old Bluey as much as anybody. Totally, Matt, for like 35 years. Is this a mess? Because today, after you, the NHL rules are interesting. After you suffer, I guess, one game, like you have to play one game short, you're allowed to meet to make an emergency call up and like, that's not what an emergency is. Like a day later, you're allowed to get some relief and really more so on Monday, Matthews is back. So there's that space open again. And, and hall is probably back. 
This isn't a match. You dressed a backup goalie 99.9% of the time. Your backup doesn't play. Who gives a shit? Well, and, and if you want to talk about... I want you to answer the question, was this a mess? No. Okay. Uh, okay, but... Now carry on. I just wanted to hit that. The, the, but there's, a, there's a, bigger, a bigger issue here. We spent 20 minutes probably talking about the idiosyncrasies of this market in Ottawa and the problems that come with it. Um, the fact that you're up against the cap in Toronto is a multi-layered question, mm-hmm. right? There are people who don't agree with 40, 50% of your cap sure. space on four guys. That's right. So, so that right away sends up alarm bells. Anytime there's any cap issues, people are going to go, fuck it. You see that? You trade match. It up. Yep. You did yep. it. Yep. You did it. Yep. Or Nylander because sure. he's the most tradable commodity now. Trade that guy. Sure is. Leading the team right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and and he's looked awesome. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Right? And so to me, give me that guy for 82 games. Loving him. Yeah. Loving him, man. And so uh, watching him drive off the wing and and through the front of the crease. Leading the league in takeaways right now. If I could see that on the offensive side as opposed to the button hook. Yes. Like... Those are the things I want to see from because clearly the guy's got a shit ton of skill. Mm-hmm. And so, but anyways, the 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 conversation in Toronto is not the same as here, but it does have its flashpoints, right? Which are people who are willing to say, Oh, we have we've botched this cap. When the reality is, no, we were up against it because we're trying to win. Okay. Right? I'm glad you brought that up. And there's a tweet I'm gonna share. I meant to send it to you beforehand. It's from Thomas Drantz, who covers the Canucks for The Athletic. And he kind of alluded to last year when Vegas uh, had to play multiple games down a man, and, right. which the Leafs essentially did here. You brought in an amateur goalie, but you have to dress a goal. But they had the option, uh, in theory, they could have played with 11, a, and, six. 11 and 6 or um, 12 and 5. Like, you could have done that. Yeah. Um, but they chose to roll the dice on a backup goalie which to me is the far better gamble, and you just hope to hell you don't need them. Uh, I will admit that there is a certain level of if it can go wrong, it will go wrong for the Leafs that makes you assume you will see Alex Bishop in the net last night. But, I want to drive the Zamboni. <laughs> right. But Thomas Drance points out, and when he made the comparison to Vegas, that this is the gamble aggressive teams take. You get right up against the cap. You have as much talent as you possibly can, and you risk the fact that once in a while, you might have to drop something at the low end of your roster in order to have as much high end as possible. And that's what happened here. That it was an, uh, it wasn't ideal. You would love if the Leafs had room to make that thing not happen. But all the people that went crazy about it are oddly quiet today when it turned out to be completely irrelevant. And you, when you have that many guys hurt, but not like you almost need somebody to hurt worse, right? Like somebody to be placed yeah. on long term. Somebody got sick. Somebody else is on a minor injury. Another guy's coming back Monday. That's life sometimes when you want to live up against the cap. It's not ideal, but that's if you're going to be aggressive, that's going to happen from time to time. Yeah, and to me, it as I said, it comes down to and 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 flies back to you as a Leaf fan have the huge financial clout, yeah, and you flexed it on on multiple occasions, yep, and and you're happy for that, yeah. So so at the same time, you can't then turn around and go, 
the margin for winning at the top end of, of your window is, is small, man. It's super small. You need to give all of your financial clout. You need to put it in force and then hope for some luck. Like there's, there's both have to happen here. And so these sorts of situations where most franchises go, and as you've just listed off six other ones, you go, shit happens, man. Shit absolutely happens. And, and I want to, I want to ice my best team and, and hope that I never see the U of T starting goalie. Right. But if it comes down to it, we've seen very recently (laughs) that the Zamboni driver (laughs) can come in and with a concerted effort beat you. Yep. And so to me, it's a lot of, I want my, you know, I want my cake. Well, so I live in the, as we circle around to hockey Twitter, as we circle around it, I live in an unfortunate universe of living in both Leafs and Senators Twitter. So it was double barreled yesterday. Somewhere in the afternoon, I had to step away. I said that, okay, I've heard just about enough of this. And if we actually see the kid in the net, I will come back here and I will say, Kyle blew it. Sky's falling. Season is lost. Whatever you need to hear from me. But if we don't, which is the overwhelming likelihood, you got to give me one day where Leaf Twitter doesn't melt down. Because at the time, going into that game, we'd played two games and had two alarm bell sounding days on Leaf Twitter, which was insane. My problem that I kept running into is that on Sen's Twitter, it's just as much a thing. Look over there. Look at the mess you've made. And one of the guys on it, like one of the prominent senators, media types, unfortunately, over the last several months that I've seen here, and I'm not going to name any names because, look, he won't be on this show. That's irrelevant, but I don't need to go burying friends of people that we do have on the show. Look, he comes out and he said, what a mess they've made of the cap down there. And to me, he's fallen into, and I want you to rebut this. I know you're not as much of a Twitter guy as I am, and man, power to you. Um, The key to Ottawa Senators Twitter is to name your account after something mildly related to the Senators and then spend every bit as much time talking about the Leafs as you do about the Sens. I love the Sens. I hate the Leafs. Here's my evidence for it. And, you know, I'm... This isn't everybody. Sends Chirp does a really nice job. Everybody knows what I think of the sixth Sends. There are accounts out there that offer legitimate and interesting takes on the league, and they are worth following. But then you got some dipshit with 47 followers that's sensational or Sends Insider or whatever. And 70% of their fucking tweets are about the Leafs. And it works. It gets followers. It would, and so there is a prominent member of Senator's Twitter that has fallen into this fucking world of realizing, oh man, look at the interaction. Look at the engagement we get. And he's out there saying that the Leafs have made a mess of it. And you reply underneath and just say, respectfully, Justin Hall has a cold. If that doesn't happen, Lilligren goes down, Hutchinson comes up, and then you get every douchebag in the world who wants to reply and say, you're spinning it. And this is the point that I wanted to get to before you rebut, man. This is my new policy. If you listen to this show, I'm calling it catnip for dumb shit. When I get a stupid reply, something that I deem completely ridiculous, 
I no longer respond to it. I wait and I see all the other people who like this ridiculous take and I block them all. You're gone because I could just block the idiot saying something stupid in the replies, but that really only solves the problem of that one guy. I want to see everyone who agrees with something this stupid and then they'll all get blocked first. Then I can block the commenter. This is the policy at Tall Can Audio now. Dumb shit catnip is the new policy for Twitter on TCA. I said that to someone else the other day who said, you know, you know, may it cost you a listener or two? Probably fucking not um, based on the way we discuss the game here. But sends Twitter is far more interested and and maybe the better way to present this to you, who's a guy who's been in this market for a lot longer than I have, sends media is far more interested in what the Leafs are doing than Leafs Twitter and Leafs media is interested in what Ottawa is doing. When they're about to play each other, Leaf fans absolutely rip on the sends and, and have at it or whatever. But day to day, the talk in Ottawa obsessed with the Leafs is far more one way than the other. Oh, well, we've talked about this a bunch of times. And, well, and, I'm fired up about it today. <laughs> yeah. And, and part of it is, part of it is market size. Like the Toronto market is six or seven times larger. Yeah. And, and it, and it takes up so much oxygen. So you're already, but you're giving it more oxygen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so all, all I'm saying, we've already talked about, and really, um, I had a bad talk, day on Twitter, man. We talk sports and we love sports, but the vast, the vast majority, and I mean eighty percent. So that's none of you, good listener. <laughs> are people who think they know sports but don't really know sports, right? So, so the thing is. Not only is the Toronto market so much larger, they're having so much more success than we are right now in this market. Right now, and, yeah. And, yep, right now, yeah. right now. And so it's it's either in the early 2000s, we're, we're rivals and we're yes. going head to head and there's all this shit. And so big brother, little brother, whatever you want to call it, yeah. we're trying to pull down. And then really in the last, especially it's easy, the last five years, it's been much better living standings wise in Toronto than it has been sure. here. So there is still this, this sort of, let's say 2005 to 2017, the senators were in far better position than the Leafs. I can tell you the Leafs, Leaf fans, Leaf Twitter, Leaf media wasn't obsessed with Ottawa and yeah, it's never going to be that way. Yeah. It's never going to be that way. The, the Sens could win the president's trophy this year, next year, whenever. Yeah. And, and, and the Toronto market will, will not be obsessed with pulling Ottawa down. It just is never going to happen because they are, Toronto is always going to feel we have the history. We have the larger fan base, right? Look at those guys. Look what they're doing over there. And, and uh, you know what? So the, at this at this small gathering last night, the game was on, and so there was a couple of youngins, <laughs> teenagers, um, who were watching it, and and I was actively engaging with them right. in this. And you see it at Sens games that do not include Leafs. Like we as a fan base in Ottawa love to rip 
the dumbass Toronto fan yes. who shows up at an <laughs> Ottawa Montreal game wearing a Leaf jersey with his name on it, right? right? We love to look at that guy. And go, what a fucking idiot, <laughs> right? Like, look at that guy, Kaminsky on the back of a Leaf jersey, nice, right? And you're like, what's happening here, right? Right? And, and so, but I was I was actively involved in, and you see it in arena. It could be a Nashville Ottawa game, and they play the chicken song, right? The da na 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 da na 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 da na 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 na. Leave suck, leave suck, right? That happens in house in Ottawa. So we're willing to we're willing to point at the Leaf fan and go, "What a loser," right? But yet we are willing to embrace that Leafs. We man, the chant was going on last night in this house. That was the Leaf Ottawa game, right? But now one of it was the was the Batherson goal that was called back. Oops. But it, it is it is this, it's always gonna be this. Well, so last year, the first game in Montreal, game five, game six, I don't even remember. Game it must have been game six. Montreal was allowed to have fans in the building. It was only twenty five hundred. And Sen's Twitter was loving. There's one of our guys wearing a Sen's jersey in there. Stupid. A complete lack of self-awareness. Yeah, stupid. That we hate the Leaf guy who does that, but hey, that's Sen Sicko. Look at that guy. He got in there. No, you don't get to pick and choose your yeah. spots. We remember, nope. right? Except nope. apparently you do. Like, no, I, 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 hate, I hate it on both sides. Yeah. And so it, uh, this is it. I Look, hockey Twitter, hockey f- fans are irrational. As they're supposed to be. I kind of get... I've sort of had enough of... This, this idea that certain members of the media, and there's not a lot of them. Most of them do have, you know, I, I don't know, maybe they are fans too if they grew up in the market, but they do a fairly professional job. But there's this thing of just whenever I'm under fire a little bit, whenever people are disagreeing, look over there. Hey, you guys agree Toronto sucks, right? Like, yeah, Toronto sucks. Okay, yep. good for you, I guess. I, yep. Hey, man, and that is, and, and see, the thing is, just cover the game, man. Like, uh, okay, but but so and, and again, play the hits. Person, media <laughs> for racks on stacks. Well, that's what it is, man. I'm playing the hits. Uh, Toronto sucks. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. And so I agree with you. It's small time because to me, I, it. I'm not wearing a senator's jersey. Well, I, I'm really not even wearing a senator's jersey to a senator's game. Uh, I could be talked into it, sure. but that's uh, not really my deal. Right. So when I see somebody wearing a a, a different yeah, and it's funny because my earliest one of my earliest memories is going to the forum to see my uncle play in the late seventies. So it's Detroit, Montreal, All right? And there's a guy about five rows behind me up in the cheaps, and I'm in the cheaps, but he's further up in the cheaps, yeah. And he's yelling, "Go Leafs, go!" <laughs> see, that makes me cringe. Like, <laughs> okay, but I'm seven, and I'm yeah. looking at my mom going. What's wrong with that guy? That guy's an idiot. Is he lost? He, he doesn't even. He doesn't even know that the Leafs aren't playing. And so, He's so colorblind. Okay, so to me, that is, I'm never doing that. And so, anybody who does that, it, it's small time, and I don't go in for it. So, yeah, I, I am 100 percent on board with that. But the but the thing is, how do you feel about the Rangers crowd that chance? sporadically in a Montreal New York Rangers game pot van sucks pot van sucks like it'll just come up naturally in, in a the Montreal second or- game yeah 
would make more sense in an Islander game, wouldn't it? Of course it is, but it, <laughs> but it, but it is it is that same thing. You hear it all the time when you watch a Rangers game, right? Pot Vance sucks comes up. I think that's weird. Okay, and, but but again, to me, it's it's the history and it's the hate. Now, clearly in that period, Islanders are winning four straight cups. Rangers hadn't in thirty years, so it's small time again. Even though the market is big. It is I, still- I, I think my issue, man, I got no, quite frankly, if at every Senators game, and I went to, I think it was, I think it was Sens Flames I went to once out there at, uh, out in Canada. And at one point, I think they ran a thing like, because it was two Canadian teams, like, you know, we, we compete on the ice, we fight all this, but there's one thing that both fan bases, maybe the Habs were in town instead of the Flames. I can't, we all can agree on. And then they put up the Leaf logo under the no smoking sign and everybody cheered. And as I'm sitting there, I'm like, that's kind of funny, right? Like that's, I kind of get what you're, these sorts of things in house with your fan base and stuff makes sense to me. What makes me crazy is this online presence of anything where I can possibly make this about the Leafs I'm going to. And and the fact that it works, I think, is the part that makes me the most... Cre- you don't have to say anything smart. You don't have to be marginally clever. You don't have... Just, ah, but um, the Leafs and Bruins, you're like, ah, 500 likes from Sens fans. Like, yeah, well, it's, it's, the whole, like, it's the whole idea of I'm up here swinging and I'm like, <laughs> I see Trojans rule! Yeah! I get a huge buzz, right? You're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but if I can throw it in with Leafs suck at the end, well, this is it, man. This is, uh, like I said, it's, it's gonna, dumb it's shit catnip. Hmm? Okay, but you have talked about dumb shit from Leaf fans. Yeah. And then you've just moved on to dumb shit from Senators fans. Yeah. There's a pile of dumb of shit. Of course, said. on every fan base. The different, and the thing that bugs me, man, is because it seems cheap, but when you put your favorite team and their hashtag and whatever, and you're using, there's Leafs Nation on Twitter. There's at... <laughs> best buds they're, they're whatever right every fan base does that it's the fact that you half of your at senators dick twitter handle uh, is just i also hate the leafs and people, yeah all right like do you you understand that this is a one way and that's the part about i don't think they understand that this isn't normal this isn't coming back down the highway that this isn't uh, ugh, no. No, and and, and, and again, I don't, hockey fans are stupid, man. It just bugs me. We all are. We get irrational. It bugs me that it is starting to trickle into the media. And, and I think you're looking at these same handles that maybe have umlauts in them, yeah. right? <laughs> right, like they've they've called themselves, you know, whatever, and they've just thrown a couple of random umlauts up there. Sure, um, that's also prevalent in yes. in, in, in sense Twitter. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if they are aware or cognizant of the fact that the Leafs don't reciprocate, but they, you you don't when you're the big cat. That's right. just not like how Right it now, works. the Leafs are on to the Rangers. But I guarantee you, if you scan Sen's Twitter tonight against Dallas, you will find weird kind of out-of-nowhere elbows or weird jabs to the Leafs. Like, why is this on your mind? Why is this on your mind at all? Yeah. It just is. It's just a weird... Well, it's like anything else, man. I got to pull you down to pull myself up. I guess. I yeah, guess. Doesn't make, it, doesn't make it right. I'm just telling you that's how it is. So that's the new policy. 
It is, like I said, it is dumb shit catnip. I will wait and watch how many people like the stupidest thing in our replies. And before I block the person who actually posts the reply, I will block everyone who... And it's just, I I don't want the... I don't want to hear about it anymore. And if I can start to, you know, if I can start to strain out the the stupidest amongst hockey fans, I think I'm just going to have a better time. (laughs) And it makes me feel better to go, bye, bye bye I got no problem with being disagreed with. I got no problem with interesting points being... But if you just come in with one of your fucking dial tones, you're probably gone at this point. Okay. Act accordingly, folks. Yep. I don't really think it's most of our listeners, to be honest with well, you. Well, and really, I think that's why you and I haven't had a conversation on Twitter in years, because I think... <laughs> You've been streamed I, out. <laughs> I, I think I've already been blocked out, man. Anything else for this one? No, I think that's good, man. Yeah, man, I think we've put in some time here. Yep. Um, stick around later on on this week on the show. Ian Mendez is going to be here. Been a while since we visited with him. Uh, I may ask him what he thinks about uh, the Sens Twitterverse. We'll see. May not want to open that can of worms. Ian already got into trouble once by just saying, "I'd like to see Jason Spezza win a Stanley Cup." You fucking traitor! Was yep, yep, for <laughs> sure, man, for so, sure. So he may not be into this conversation. We'll see, but he will be here on Thursday morning. Stick around for that. Rob is on Twitter at Captain Blowhard. Why don't you send some of your stupid shit his way instead of mine? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram because uh, at- I will absolutely <laughs> ignore you. <laughs> Uh, at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now, and we will see you all next time. See ya! I am unhappy with the confusing and at times confrontational nature of that meeting. I wanted it to go better. I wanted it to go better! Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TallCanAudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.